Hello everyone, welcome to our weekly episode of Limitless Podcast, a place where we bring together global leaders in sales and marketing. My name is Nikhil and I'm the host of Limitless Podcast. Today we have Prakar Jain with us. Prakar, say hi to our listeners. Hi guys, uh, thanks a lot Nikhil for hosting me. Well, the pleasure is all ours, uh, Prakar. So, let me give our listeners a brief introduction about you and then we'll take this conversation further. All right. Uh, Prakar is currently the Associate Director of Sales at uh, Watfix. Uh, he is the first employee at Watfix and has recently celebrated his fifth year anniversary with them. He's a brilliant sales leader and he keeps posting amazing content on LinkedIn. You should actually follow him on LinkedIn and understand, you know, the sales process that he follows. He has actually developed a crazy niche for himself on LinkedIn. So once again, welcome Prakar on Limitless Podcast. My pleasure, Nikhil. Thanks a lot. Yeah, so uh, I'm dying to know about a little bit more about Watfix and what is Watfix and what do you guys do? Uh, uh, what does Watfix do? So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So, you know, when we started, uh, we were compared with a lot of overlapping solutions. And we used to be a training software, an onboarding software, a performance support solution, mm -hmm. a customer experience software and so on. Because we did not play in a new category. But recently, Gartner has recognized this category of product and called it digital adoption platform. So we are a market leader in the space, what Gartner has coined, calling it digital adoption platform. Now what it does is basically we have a layer of technology that can be overlaid on top of any web application in the world and can provide the end users contextual guidance. So say for instance, if Hippo Video is an application that your customers are using and they want to create video sequences on how that needs to be added as a part of their current uh, outreach sequence, now there are some steps that they need to take so that they need to go to somewhere, uh, you know, they, hey, can you still hear me, Nikhil? Yeah, yeah, I can still hear you, yeah. Great. So, you know, let's say they need to go to a particular step, go on step by step, and then complete the task. Now, in an ideal world, you know, some users are smart enough to figure that out themselves. In a second scenario, they go through your support section and figure that out. In a third scenario, it's your customer success team engaging them, right? With WhatFix, what you can do is you can make your product self-serve because you can have that layer of technology which step-by-step -step can guide your users and tell them what exactly needs to be done all in real time while they are doing it. Got so it. that's exactly, exactly what we do in a nutshell. Awesome, awesome. So uh, when was this particular category created? the digital adoption platform so this is when uh, you know gartner published a report and this Got is it. about six months back when this happened awesome. when uh, you know we were recognized as a market leader in this space uh, mm -hmm. considering we are working with 100 fortune 500 companies globally awesome awesome this really great news i'm i'm happy for you guys so where is warfix uh, currently have you guys raised money and how, how much have you raised Right. We currently stand at about $18 million in funding. Uh, we have some marquee investors, uh, both from U.S. and India, backing us. So we have F-Prime, A-Road Ventures, Stellaris, and Helion. So all of us supporting in this initiative. And, uh, you know, at this point, of course, uh, you know, with more growth on the cards, there might be room for further expansion as well. Awesome. Great news. Great news coming in. Awesome. So uh, I was going a little, uh, I was going through your bio there and then I understood that 
you started you were the first employee at uh, whatfix and you started out as an inside sales lead and now uh, you know you are the associate director of sales all right that is uh, you know a great journey can you take us a little bit can you take us through your journey a little bit more oh absolutely so it's been one hell of a journey and you know it usually becomes that when you're actually uh, you know engaged at an early stage and when things yeah. grow uh, and of course a lot of processes change and things evolve with time so yeah. i joined at a time when we had four to six customers back then if i recall mm-hmm. and we used to get about two leads a week um, you know both gmail addresses of course we did not have a process set up in place no specific yeah. marketing done so these users were finding us somehow and coming on the website so from that time uh, you know we been able to sort of together work on this journey where not only have we acquired customers consistently but now have scaled up a process where we now have a you know 30 odd member team replicating the same process at scale wow awesome. so ranging from the time when we had four to six customers to the time now that we have 650 uh, to be exact uh, awesome. you know it's been one hell of a journey and uh, you know it's a it's a long story and journey about what change and how things evolved in each mm-hmm. of the different processes or mm-hmm. you know not only uh, you know the sales process itself but mm-hmm. so many auxiliary pieces to it that mm-hmm. also needs to contribute uh, to the growth of an organization so i mean i can keep talking on it for an hour but i would <laughs> like to keep it short for the sake of this discussion and no problem at all fatter we we would actually like to hear that as well but but then probably on a different uh, call per se but uh, i just wanted to understand a little bit more about you know the digital adoption platform space itself all right so uh, like i understand so initially people were comparing you with training softwares and everything so when you talk about a differentiator all right uh, so between a training software and your digital adoption software now the there could be one particular differentiator on the uh, feature and the value and the benefits that you guys uh, give also there there could be a difference between uh, you know the type of companies that you target you know as your ideal customer so your icp typically so what are the differentiators when it comes to a training software versus a digital adoption adoption software and who uh, you know and if you could go a little bit more into who your icp is sure so at a higher level you know first i'll give you the differentiation between a training software and a digital adoption platform so a training software is independent of any application first of all and the idea is that you know you're creating courses for people something like a learning management systems which have been existing since time eternity and you know the idea is uh, you know you have courses in there you want users to complete courses and you assess them based on certifications and so on that's one version of training software there can be so many more mm-hmm. but the biggest difference between a digital adoption platform and a training software would be that even to access the training software it's a separate software you need to go to mm-hmm. and on an average when you're using 15 to 20 applications on a daily basis in a sales role mm-hmm. it becomes highly impossible for you to remember go to that software complete a course and come back a digital adoption platform basically lives on the application so if you have queries on top of gmail the digital adoption platform will actually reside on top of gmail so you're not leaving the application and going out that's the biggest difference second is you know it can actually help to access all the queries the all the how to tasks that you're uh, 
unaware of in real time. So rather than you having to read a verbose article or watch a video, because there's no easy way to figure out that the answer to your query lies at the 18th minute of a 30 minute video. You will still have to watch the whole thing. So the idea is that provide users with bit and bite-sized information in those how-to queries. And those how-to queries are again walkthroughs, which are a series of bubbles that handhold users to perform a certain task. So that's happening on top of the application. So in Gmail, if you did not know how to, you know, uh, grant access of your calendar to everybody in an organization, Mm -hmm. one way is to go to help.support.google, figure that out by reading an article, or what fixed walkthroughs can take you there and help you get done with it. So that's the biggest difference between a digital adoption platform and a training software. So the entire education becomes a little more, a lot more contextual. Absolutely. Exactly, because the context Very is contextual. right there. Exactly. Right. Awesome. So now uh, I think the yeah. sorry, please go on. So uh, just to ask, uh, you know, another question, and uh, you know, we'll talk about the ICP a little bit uh, later. Uh, but just to understand this a little bit better, uh, so ideally, uh, you know, when onboarding new employees, uh, you know, uh, companies, every company has this, uh, you know, and onboarding and this education uh, uh, you know uh, series where they tell them about the tools the softwares and everything that they need and you know there is a little bit of training required but then when it comes to uh, let us say bigger companies let us say we are talking about enterprises where you are having you know employee counts in thousands in that particular scenario this would be ideal am i am i correct to say that that is absolutely correct, Nikhil. So, you know, think at a scale. So I wanted to give a very layman example to our audience so that mm-hmm. they get an understanding of what we do typically. But the use case becomes massive uh, at a scale of when you are looking at 10,000 users of Salesforce. Exactly. Now, yeah. imagine those 10,000 CRM users are not going to be in the single location in the same mm-hmm. office. They are global users spread across, you know, multiple countries. And then you have a team of trainers trying to engage them and provide them training, Um, you know, keeping up the pace with the training, basically, whenever you make any new releases. So that's a nightmare when you're actually doing that at scale. And WhatFix actually solves that problem because you don't have to worry about time zone differences. You don't have to worry about anything else. And, uh, you know, because all the help that you need is all available just in time, real time, all in hand. And that's what makes it a very, very uh, great fit for mainly Fortune uh, you know, 500 to global 10,000. So that's our ideal customer profile in terms of the accounts that we target, where each of the Fortune companies, because each of these applications are multi-million dollar deployment, hmm. and, you know, none of the organizations want that after spending so much, nobody is using the software. So you want to make sure you're realizing the return on your investment. And what exactly. is that, you know, insurance plugin, as we like to call it, just to ensure that, uh, you know, you're getting the return on the social investment that you're making. Awesome. That is a brilliant term that you have coined there, and insurance uh, plugin. Uh, I would like to understand a little bit more about, uh, you know, your, uh, you know, the entire sales team. Now. So how do, how is it uh, structured and what is your sales process like? All right, because, uh, uh, you know, the interesting factor is you are going after, you know, the global 10,000 and, you know, the creme de la creme, that is the Fortune 500 companies. So what is your sales process like and how have you, uh, you know, divided your teams into? So uh, we'll go a little bit more into that. Sure. 
So uh, we have a four-tiered sales structure. Okay, mm -hmm. we have a team of BDRs, SDRs, account executives, and then strategic account executives. Okay, so I'll tell you how that looks like, and I'll give you the definition of each. So BDRs that we have are all the cold outbound reps. Mm -hmm. So anybody who is doing cold calling, cold emailing on these accounts that we want to focus on. So this is a team who does everything related to prospecting and demand gen. Okay, then we have a team of SDRs who actually work on setting up uh, meetings and appointments. Now this team would actually be responsible for the discovery process. So we have tons of leads actually coming in through different channels of marketing to inbound as well. And this would be the team responsible for making the first connect and you know doing an advanced discovery of the thought, just trying to understand them, basis, budget, authority, need, timeline, etc. Okay. Now then we have the team of account executives, which is only focused on closing. So after the SDRs and BDRs have created an opportunity, uh, it gets passed on to the account executives who actually work on getting the new business in. Mm -hmm. Now, we have a strategic account executive team as well, which is more focused on named accounts. So now, the fact that we target only Fortune 500 to Global 10,000, the idea is that what we've done is we've divided territories and we have a team which is solely working on the accounts in their territory. So okay. their goal is, you know, certain greenfield accounts versus our existing customers and the idea is to get, you know, X revenue out of them in a year. because. If one company in an industry has identified the need for that and they're using it so heavily, that means multiple other com uh, uh, companies in the same industry have a requirement as well, yes. which we are not tapping today. So that's something we have recently started as well. So currently it's a 40 year sales structure. Of course, it has an auxiliary plugin from the uh, sales engineering teams as well who actually support us with anything technical. Yeah, awesome. So uh, now since you've mentioned, you know, uh, the four different, uh, uh, you know, a four-tier structure for your sales team, and you, that you are, uh, you know, focusing on the Fortune 500 companies as well. Do you have uh, a sales team uh, based out of US, or everything, uh, you know, works out of India? Right. So uh, mostly India. So India has basically been our R&D center, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, we have a sales team in India as well. Uh, most of the operations is here. Having said that, we're very rapidly expanding, and now we have two offices in U.S. already in San Jose and San, uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then we also have started operations in Cambridge in U.K. and Melbourne in Australia as well. So okay. we have four global offices right now. The team in U.S. is about 22 people, mm -hmm. uh, to be exact, out of which uh, we have seven sales folks there. Awesome. So just to uh, get this right again, so... Till now, you were uh, able to close, uh, you know, Fortune 500 deals with a team based out of India, and that is an inside sales team. Am I am I correct? That is correct. So 95 percent, 95 to 97 percent of the revenues that we have got uh, through Fortune 500 companies has all been inside sales based out of India, with zero face-to-face -face touch point, uh, you know, from the US. Now this is really interesting. Uh, you know, this particular process that you've set up is really interesting. So uh, do you have a framework to actually, uh, you know, prospect these? Uh, uh, do you have a framework for success with Fortune 500 companies and, uh, you know, which you can, you know, deploy with an inside sales team? So what is your framework like and how do you ensure success without having FaceTime? And that is something that, you know, even our listeners should be very interested. Oh, sure, absolutely. So... You know, when you're starting, of course, 
when you are actually building the framework that's the hardest part yeah. because getting the first few in is the hardest once you actually get a few then you have known the process and then you repeat the process yeah. and you wanted to you know achieve scale so <clears throat> when we started the process uh, the first company that we got on board uh, was i don't know if i can take the name of it but a massive internet giant mm-hmm. okay and you know we got them on board uh, you know of course uh, the discussion was all online it was for a very small business unit internally mm-hmm. and okay. uh, you know they definitely liked the product they liked the idea of it and they wanted to validate it now you know of course you know larger companies and fortune companies being fortune companies we were too small to clear any of their processes we did not have compliances in place or we did not have the necessary certifications etc needed at that time mm-hmm. so what we did is we actually went to a reseller who was actually working with that internet giant and mm-hmm. on behalf of the reseller so when you work with some resellers who are actually tied up with a larger organization mm-hmm. they can actually get you an entry really quick because okay. you know they basically are are uh, the ones who are liable for anything that goes wrong and of course mm-hmm. you have to win the trust of the reseller etc they work with you on a commission basis but you know the idea is that works for us mm-hmm. and we got uh, you know foot in the door in that large internet giant and uh, basically then you know we convinced them to give us a testimonial now with that case study or a testimonial with uh, you know a huge company that everybody knows and uses daily uh, mm-hmm. you know then it becomes fairly easy for you to then use that name to go to a lot of other clients and pitch that yeah so we used that very heavily to get to some others and mm-hmm. we did a lot of reference calls when it was needed uh, you know luckily um, and fortunately they were very supportive of us uh, the product mm-hmm. was a great fit for them they loved it so they were always happy being references for a lot of other clients so mm-hmm. that sort of helped us get our initial four five clients mm-hmm. now when we did that we were pretty clear in our minds that nobody has the time to meet you face to face and we were doing strategic sales now mm-hmm. this is not where you know you're just selling to one buyer who is making a decision we are talking to at least four to five different people uh, as a part of the buying cycle uh, mm-hmm. in the buying journey that you know are making a decision and these four to five buyers a lot of times we realize that are never in the same location because these are global companies you know one mm-hmm. person is based out of new york other one in atlanta somebody yeah. is in chicago somebody is in san francisco and even if you actually pitched a meeting face to face who would you meet mm-hmm. and every time when we did that we always heard that no remote is best it just saves a lot of time to you versus us as well so we actually then continued following the model and every we would always pitch for face to face i mean even though we were not there we would always pitch for face to face but nobody mm-hmm. wanted to meet and we realized that you know inside sales is just working because uh, everybody wants to be cognizant of other people's time and how mm-hmm. much can you save them in the process and the idea is you know you're looking at roi and how confident you know the other vendor is when you're actually purchasing from them what can uh, they do for you in terms of the value they can add to your existing process and so on and i think that was one of the key uh, areas that we kept focusing on that we were confident as a vendor that we could deliver and the value pitch was very very clear to our buyers that they could clearly understand okay this is my pain point this is what i get so this is the before scenario this is the after scenario i can foresee if i do this and we were able to portray that very very clearly for them uh, to help them make decisions quickly got it excellent so just to understand this now you mentioned that uh, you know that you you actually closed a, a deal with an internet uh, giant 
again at that particular time you were still discovering your uh, like what fixed it themselves were discovering their own niche so uh, how big was this company i just want to understand how many employees uh, you know does this internet giant have just yeah, i can only give, say i can only say so much but that's the most widely um, you know used search engine i can say awesome awesome i i i get uh, i guess we have a fair idea of uh, you know the deal that you closed awesome so how long is your uh, sales cycle pakar so uh, uh, and you know how long does it take from let us say from a prospecting to an actual uh, you know close and what is the process like do you have uh, you know a mutual uh, action plan or a mutual success plan and do you actually go in for a pilot or a poc and then uh, you know go in to sign the deal so what does it look like sure so from a process perspective also i think now a lot has changed and evolved um mm-hmm. you know since when we first started and now it's at a point where we have different market segments as well so we have small and medium uh, then we have the enterprise and then we have the large enterprise so anything below 1000 employees is a small and medium for us between 1000 and 5000 is an enterprise and anything above that is a large enterprise so our major focus of course is large enterprises uh, but you don't want to say a no to you know anybody else who's coming in as well because yeah. you know everybody is a cash cow and everybody has a requirement for a digital adoption platform so of course we serve them uh, the processes for each are slightly different so we have a separate team focused on smb uh, separate focused on enterprise and large enterprise the processes for each uh, differ as well internally because the sales cycles in each is much lesser so like the sales cycle for an smb would be probably 60 to 90 days mm-hmm. at best uh, whereas you know the uh, sales cycle for an enterprise or large enterprise would be somewhere between 90 to 120 days or sometimes it goes to 150 days as well so 3 to 5 months is average uh so that's the sort of process difference that we have in terms of uh, how we are actually maintaining it internally wow awesome so 3 to 5 months uh, you know is the total sales cycle when it comes to enterprises and large enterprises so depending on uh, you know the company as well awesome so in that i i believe there should be teams assisting the sales team uh, with the uh, pocs or pilots just in case somebody wants to see if uh, uh, you know they'll be able to achieve micro successes that probably lead to uh, you know the bigger uh, deal to be closed correct yeah absolutely so we basically don't do a lot of pilots so mm-hmm. i'll tell you you know we have some low hanging fruits as well in terms of the applications and ecosystems we target mm-hmm. like you know salesforce is a low hanging fruit for us uh, we know that salesforce is an ecosystem where people move to salesforce they think it's plug and play and then they realize the complexity of it i mean not in a bad way it just has so many features and functionalities that it's impossible for an application like salesforce to remain with a consumer like experience of amazon app it's just impossible so it's bound to become complex and with that complexity becomes Uh, or you know creates the need of continuous consistent training and right. that's very hard to achieve at scale so that's a low hanging fruit for us we are very clear that if any organization is using salesforce uh, and has more than x number of users is a wonderful fit for us awesome. because that's where we can showcase the value now in terms of the poc sometimes a poc is not needed because you know the demo that we give is on top of salesforce itself so yeah. what our prospects are looking to achieve is that how is that how is your digital adoption platform going to run with our application now if it salesforce we're giving the demo on top of salesforce itself so then we are like that's exactly how it's going to run and you know mm-hmm. this is the entire workflow of the different use cases 
and functionalities and the value that we will deliver. Yeah. So what do you want to do in the form of a POC? Now, if they sometimes suggest that they just want to test the ease of creation, etc., because our mm -hmm. platform is a no-coding platform. You can yeah. do everything plug and play. So if they want to do that, then we get on a one-hour call with them, give them access. They can actually go through it, play around. We answer their questions, and sometimes it's done. So sometimes the POC is all about that one-hour call. And in certain other cases, of course, it can extend to seven days as well. When they, somebody is trying to prepare a business case and present internally, then we help, can help them more. So it extends to about seven days, but never beyond seven days. We don't do POCs beyond seven days. Awesome. Awesome. So you, uh, it looks like you've actually identified the process that actually works for you and you've created a repeatable process to, you know, get that success that, that absolutely at this particular stage, that is a big win for, for you guys as well. So, uh, you know, uh, so how does it work? So how many champions do you have and how many people do you have to talk to, uh, you know, in your, uh, you know, prospects account? to actually close the deal because you're talking to enterprise, uh, uh, you know, customers and there have been cases wherein you have to speak to at least 10 to 15 people from the same account to sign up on the contract. So do you face the same issue? And uh, again, you, do you do, do you close this also remotely? Yeah. So we do close this remotely uh, to yeah. answer your second question first. Uh, the second part of the question we see slightly lesser. So about six to eight people is ideal. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting to the decision-making uh, panel and getting the buying process set and done. Uh, see, it, more the number of champions you can identify is always better, of course, but you need at least one person who can vouch for you. You know, one person who is absolutely sold on your product. So I, you know, I always say that to our prospects and customers that, hey, if, if I have to sell this product to you, you have to sell this product internally. So in this sales process, you know, it, it's a process where I am not alone. I mean, unless you become a part of our team and help us sell this internally, I'm Brilliant. not going to make this sale. And they agree because, you know, ultimately, whenever you are selling to any company or any sale a salesperson has made in their time, somebody else in that organization is selling for them. Yeah. Never can, in a, especially in inside sales, sitting hundreds and thousands of miles away, you know, a person just over the phone can create that impact internally. Yeah, you're doing good. I mean, you can do everything you can with a set process, etc. But somebody else internally has to uh, do that sales for you. So you have to create that champion. You know, those uh, are the folks whose vision should be aligned with what exactly the value that you are pitching. They clearly realize the value. You've given them enough and more ammo to understand how this product would be a great fit for them. And the value it can deliver. And then they're doing the same sales internally. Because mm -hmm. as an outsider, I wouldn't know, let's say if I'm selling to somebody like, uh, you know, a large organization uh, in a fortune uh, segment, I wouldn't know what lingo they use internally. I would be yeah. talking about, you know, a certain set of vocabulary and keywords. However, that person internally exactly know, uh, knows what the C-level wants to hear exactly. when they are yeah. looking for this platform. Yeah. So you what we do is we craft our pitch in a way that that, you know, can give, as I said, enough and more ammo to our champions that they can create their own pitch and we help them create that. And then, then they sell it for us. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, this is a brilliant take again that you are actually empowering your champion internally and you are transferring your confidence into them so that they can actually sell your solution. Brilliant takeaway and, Absolutely. you know, something that and, every organization... You know, another thing, I'll, 
sorry to cut you off, Nikhil, but another important yeah. point I wanted to add is that our product is not like a CRM or not like a support desk or not like a solution which people are aware of, are looking for, and know what will happen if you implement it. Yeah. So it's a new category of product. People have not heard about it. You you say digital adoption platform and people will think things because they haven't ever visualized how that looks like. So there needs to be a lot of education also that we need to do as a part of this engagement to create that awareness for our champions and for our decision-making panels uh, mm -hmm. to help them understand the value of this. Got it. Excellent. Brilliant uh, takeaway, uh, Prakar. So uh, like we discussed early uh, you know, on this uh, podcast, you actually started out as uh, you know uh, an inside sales lead and now you are the associate director of Wattfix. so you've been there you've seen the entire growth of Wattfix, and you know it's been a crazy journey as you yourself uh, put it so now that you are in a leadership position and you are looking to you know create this next set of leaders uh, you know inside Wattfix. so what uh, is your hiring process like and what do you do and what uh, you know, what is the process that you follow to actually empower these, uh, you know, people who are now coming into uh, your system and will become, you know, the uh, next set of leaders inside Wattfix. So what is your process for to identify them and then to empower them? Sure. So, you know, once you actually, you know, the hardest part, Nikhil, in general is to create a process. And yeah. once you have created a process, yes. then you know, you should be looking at thousand other companies who have done it and succeeded. So there are two ways to go about it. You know, one is after you have reached a certain milestone, you basically try and uh, experiment and fail and then create your own process. Or you look at thousand others who have done it the same way and have succeeded. So we have done the latter. Uh, it, it has been easier. Uh, after, uh, of course, you can do that only after you have achieved a certain scale. So now what we typically do is from a hiring standpoint, See, there are certain things that you need to look at from a forecasting standpoint. So we don't look at hiring when we have a need of, let's say our quotas are going up in January, so we don't start hiring by December. So then you have to think about it probably by July or uh, August the previous year, because you will hire somebody, they get ramped up, and you're looking at a contingency plan as well of some voluntary versus involuntary attrition. You're also looking at uh, you know metrics around success ratio of a hire, Etc. So you basically put all of that into your forecasting metric and then you look at the total number of people that you'll be needing basis the quotas that you're going to get in the next quarter or so or next two yes. quarters or so. Okay, that's the first. Second, from a hiring plan perspective, now it's uh, easier. Uh, you know, while we all look at people with some experience, uh, you know, in SaaS, so there are two forms, two sides to this uh, on our hiring plan. So one is for strategic named accounts. You know, we're looking at people who have actually done a lot of expansion. So in an okay. existing account where you have a land already, now you're looking at expanding that account mm -hmm. to, you know, so let's say our land is $200,000. Now, how do you make this a million dollars? So that's one of the approaches. So you're looking at people with that skill set. For mm -hmm. uh, the account executive, you're looking at people with some SaaS experience or some decent sales experience. So one thing we very strongly look for is, of course, communication, etc., is a must. But apart from that, the sales acumen doesn't matter if services or product. If the sales acumen is good, we feel that the person can learn it. So that's the second one. Third is we are now focusing on freshers as well. A lot of college grads who are just out of college, mm -hmm. uh, because the process is now set. You know, they can come in and they can be molded the way you want. 
So that's the third approach that we're taking. So now we are actually trying, um, you know, across the experience bar to sort of have a mix of all sorts of talent in who can be focused on different sort of roles that we have. So your freshers make good BDRs and SDRs and, you know, SMB account executives. Uh, you know, your folks with some experience can do your enterprise and large enterprise sales and then strategic is very different skill sets which we are looking for. So that's exactly. one of the ways we go about it. Awesome, awesome. So we are uh, coming to a close uh, to this podcast uh, as well. So uh, one final question, uh, you know, before we let you off. Uh, so what are your goals for 2020? Because it is, you know, nearly the end of January. So what are your goals for 2020, uh, both professionally and personally? Sure. Uh, so while I can only say so much in terms of, because I'm a sales guy, so everything is tied to numbers. I can't Please. share any numbers, uh, all confidential data, but, you know, high level goals, of course, include uh, scaling up a team to a level where, um, you know, if we have done X, how are we able to do 2X or 2.5X from there? Uh, mm-hmm. Because consistent growth is needed. If we've got Fortune, uh, 100 Fortune companies, how how do we get to, you know, X million just from that 100 Fortune companies? Because each of them is a potential one to $1.5 million account for us and more. So one of the key focuses as a part of this strategy is that, uh, you know, the second biggest goal would be, of course, having that consistency in acquiring new logos. So now mm-hmm. we've got 100, how do we get to 200? So that's yeah. the second part of the strategy in terms of the new business. Uh, and the third uh, strategy is channels and alliances, which is doing really well as well. So looking at that segment and how that can actually uh, accelerate the pace at which we are running and how we can you know, do things faster from there. So at a high level strategy, these are the three goals. Of course, now a lot of, you know, if you divide them into branches, it can be your hiring goals, it can be your uh, you know, forecasting, it could be your enablement goals, operations goals. All of that would be a subset of all of this. Yeah, it looks like you have a lot on your uh, plate, Prakar. Uh, but will you be opening other offices across the world, or uh, you know, because you mentioned earlier that you have other four offices globally as well? So, from an expansion standpoint, I think we are all set. Uh, mm-hmm. No specific plans, at least in the next two quarters, to open more offices. Mm-hmm. However, the plan is to hire more people globally to make it more operational. So, like we have, uh, you know, a few people in Cambridge and Melbourne already. So, add more manpower there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, of course, our U.S. office is scaling. We just recently started our Atlanta office. So okay. my bad, I mentioned two offices, but now we have three in U.S., uh, mm-hmm. San Jose, San Francisco, and Atlanta as well. So to have some presence on the East Coast, so a lot of hiring actually going on in uh, U.S. as well to scale operations there. Uh, so, you know, when your process scales up, then the inside sales model that has been running for you, you want to expedite it. And to expedite exactly. it, you want to make it more, again, not a field sales model, but a hybrid model where you will have 95% of stuff happening inside sales again, and some face-to-face touch or some local presence right there, you know, let's say if somebody is wanting a meeting tomorrow, yes, I can Mm -hmm. be at your office tomorrow. And that's the idea of that hybrid model. So -hmm. we're trying to do that as well with a lot of remote hiring happening in US. So that's uh, in a nutshell at scale we're looking to uh, achieve in 2020. Awesome, awesome. Great goals, great set of goals there for 2020. So what's your personal goal for 2020? Any, well, any new year resolutions? No resolutions, I would say. I always try and keep them and it turns out to be a to-do list for the first two weeks of January. <laughs> that is how uh, it works, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, personally, of course, uh, I want to uh, add more value to the community, you know, considering right. we've been fortunate enough to get that platform and uh, being successful in what we've been doing. 
so while i'm saying this is personal but still it's on the boundary of being personal and professional but i really want to do more uh you know adding more value to the saas community a lot of okay. good saas companies coming out of india who are doing really well and you know you know something that we have done and worked out and especially you know it's it's more about the mistakes we have made and something that has not worked for us is yeah. more useful to companies uh in the indian saas ecosystem that can take this uh, sort of advice and grow from there so that's something on the cards as well i definitely want to do that more often than not in awesome. scale great because we we've had this conversation back and forth on the mistakes that you know each of us has made so i i do understand from personal experience where you're coming from and you know i can tell you right now or to all our listeners that the knowledge that prakar gives is immense so he he has he has gone through the uh, you know through that journey and you know achieved that success and the experience is really valuable prakar on a last note uh, you know if our listeners want to reach out to you uh, what is the best way to reach out to you Yes, LinkedIn is the best. I would say, um, mm-hmm. you know, all you got to do is go to LinkedIn and type in "learning trucker." That's my, you know, last uh, two words that would take you to my profile. Yeah. Uh, but it's just all about. I'm very active on LinkedIn. My full name is Prakar Jain. So just make a search for Prakar Jain Watfix, and you should be able to find me. And I'm very active in general. Uh, so you should hear back from me as soon as uh, I get to it. And a- anything uh, that I can help with in general, please. don't hesitate to reach out to me awesome. and thanks a lot awesome. nikhil for the all the kind words and for hosting me hey no problem at all this is straight from the heart i am a straight shooter so uh, you know uh, the, i am you know uh, telling you exactly what i felt after having those uh, discussions many times with you so this has been great prakar uh, thanks again for coming to our podcast our listeners would be in, there are real takeaways from this particular podcast and i wish you great luck in 2020 Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. So folks, that was Prakar Jain from Whatfix. Couple of points that really stood out for me uh, from this particular podcast. Number 1, they have an inside sales model to close enterprise deals. We're talking about Fortune 500 and global 10,000 companies. Interesting that he mentioned about the end customers too expecting remote calls, especially if they are based out of, uh, you know, different geos and handling different uh, business units. The second interesting point that he mentioned about was when recruiting for junior positions in sales you need to focus on young dynamic graduates fresh out of college look for the attitude and ability to learn quickly so that the ramp time is also less that's something that's working out for prakar and whatfix thank you everyone for listening stay tuned to our weekly upcoming episodes with more sales and marketing leaders from around the globe We are on Apple, Spotify and Google. Just type limitless podcast and we'll show up. Yes, if you're there, don't forget to subscribe.